In this badass episode, we go into the spirit of the warrior. One of the key elements that separates the average man from a warrior is the warrior's inner drive to give back and to give of himself and, of course, to inspire others. Our guests today are retired Navy SEAL and former law enforcement officer Clark Impostato and retired Marine John Badon. Both warriors are lead instructors for Black Tree Experience in Texas. In this episode, we discuss how applying a warrior mindset to all facets of life will help you succeed, why seeing others succeed is the pinnacle of any good instructor. So we talk about self-protection in the real world. We talk about honing your skill set, becoming a better man, and of course, increasing your confidence in daily life. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Stand by. Welcome to the Man of War podcast, where we forge men into warriors and get them battle ready for the game of life. Learn warrior hacks that strengthen your mindset, self-confidence, courage, and personal protection skills. Unlock a life that embodies a warrior spirit for dynamic success in life and in business. If you're joining us for the first time, you're tuning in to the one and only podcast that empowers you to achieve greatness by living the warrior lifestyle. Each show, we interview elite men from around the globe and delve deep into their mindset and daily rituals, uncovering their secrets to success. I'm Rafa Conde, founder and creator of the Man of War Movement. Join me on this life-altering journey where we recharge your mind, body, and spirit. Rise and night, my brothers. Welcome back to the Man of War podcast. My name is Rafa Conde, and I am your host. For you newbies, welcome aboard. You're going to love this podcast. We keep shit on the lowdown straight ahead. Absolutely no gray areas on this podcast. It's all about developing the warrior mentality and the warrior spirit. It's about balancing the body, mind, and spirit. It's about connecting, right? It's about building that courage, building that confidence, building a modern day warrior. On today's show, I have these two badass warriors that share my same passion for teaching and giving. And most importantly, man, their goal, just by the way they speak, they speak from the heart. Their goal is to see others succeed, to see others better themselves. In the end, this is what warriors are all about. You're going to love this show. On another note, I just want to say thank you to all you keyboard commandos and all you trolls out there, you continue to inspire and motivate me every single day. I got to tell you, you do have a place in this world. Continue doing what you're doing and us warriors will continue to crush you every step of the way. Understand this show is going to be successful with or without you. If this show hurts your feelings or offends you in any way, shape or form, you truly have my deepest apology. Please note, this podcast is specifically for warrior-minded men. All right, if you haven't stopped by the Warrior Development Academy, you got to do it. You got to go see why hundreds of warrior-minded men are transforming their lives right here and right now. They're strengthening their courage, their confidence, and they're building from the ground up, and they're learning how to live lives that embody the warrior spirit. Go check it out at forgingawarrior.com. You get two weeks for free. Also, my newest Instagram account, Give me some love there at man of war with two R's. Get your free manual, your free manual right now at forgingawarrior.com forward slash manual. And we're going to get right into the show. Whip out a pen and paper. I'm telling you straight up, you're going to love these two gentlemen. They are badass dudes. 
And there is so much that you're going to be able to learn here and implement into your life right here and right now. Clark and John, welcome to the Man of War podcast, gentlemen. What's going on, brother? Thanks for having us. Awesome. Hey, listen, you guys, we had a fucking awesome conversation here before the uh, show even started, and you have some great things in store for us, okay? We're going to dig deep into your mentality. We're going to dig deep into who you are. At the beginning here, though, what I want you guys to do is introduce yourself for our audience to tell them who you are. Uh, I guess I'll start first. <laughs> uh, my name's Clark. You want me to go in more detail on that? <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, my name's Clark. I uh, spent some time in the Navy. Uh, I was stationed at SEAL Team 5. Spent about eight years in the military altogether. Uh, then after that, did probably about five years or so with diplomatic uh, security services, doing the whips protection stuff overseas and then uh was a cop in arizona for about eight years and now i work at the black tree ranch here in texas and i'm primarily the uh, firearms instructor very cool very cool john hop in there yeah uh name's john i spent uh, roughly around 10 years in the marine corps i got out in uh, 2013 i believe i went in early 2004 um you know, I primarily joined because I, you know, wanted to go to combat, see the world, and work at some sort of martial arts schoolhouse, and that's the reason why I got out. I accomplished those in roughly about six years uh, as an O three eleven, and then I ended up at the headquarters of the Marine Corps martial arts program. So from there, uh, you know, got out, started a couple, well, helped start up a couple uh, mixed martial arts gyms, and then now I'm here working with Clark at Black Tree Ranch. That's awesome, man. And your story is, is pretty cool. You guys met, uh, you know, I guess, what, over, a little bit over a year ago, and, and you've been working together and kind of bonding, and uh, it, it's awesome. I mean, you, I guess, John, you teach the uh, combative side, and then, Clark, you're basically the uh, firearms guy, right? Yeah, exactly. pretty much. We support each other, but, yeah, that's pretty much how we've divvied it up. Very cool, very cool. So what I want to know here is, and this is a, basically – your mindset as a as a navy seal all right clark how do you implement that into your training your dissemination of information here in uh, a black tree well it's really something i've carried with me my entire life i think that's pretty much forged in buds um and the centerpiece of that is believing in yourself that truly nothing's impossible um and that's the key portion of the mindset that I try to teach people, um, whatever you're trying to achieve, it's possible. You just have to believe in yourself, whether it's just us doing some handgun training or, you know, obviously you bond with your students a bit and you talk maybe about some family situations. Um, some of our clients have had, you know, uh, credible threats against them. So we'll discuss that and things like that. But the, the key piece of all that is really believing in yourself and having that that confidence because it does radiate from you. You know, even if someone wants to attack you or you walk in a room and people notice you, to me that's always been at the core of what I believe. Interesting. So basically when you're when you have students coming in and people that are taking your course, I mean, what's the dynamics mm-hmm. here? I mean, you know, you mentioned earlier that you have individuals from all walks of life. Are you teaching them this mindset the second that they step in step into the range? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously, you know, there's an introduction and then we talk to them a little bit about what they want and, and their skill set. And, you know, we want to give them what they're here to, you know, to develop. Um, and a lot of people don't have confidence. You know, well, I've never shot a gun or I've shot it a couple times and I can't even hit the target. And then within 15 minutes, I have them drilling the A box on the target and they realize, oh, my gosh, I can do it. And so that's when I'll step in early on to the training with the mindset portion, we kind of feed it throughout. So I, for me, there's no classroom portion. We meet on the range and we gear up and we start doing the deed. But then as it's appropriate, we add the mindset portions to it. So it's not one big scoop of it. It's just kind of woven in throughout the day. Or we had a gentleman that was out here for seven days you know, we we're able yeah. to do a lot with that guy. So it really depends on the individual and the course we're running, but it is always woven into everything we do, whether it's the combative stuff, the firearm stuff, um, even the separate situation awareness stuff we do with young adults and teenagers. You know, it's a big piece of that as well. Very cool. Very cool. How about you, John? I mean, for from the combatives aspect, um, from that hands-on aspect, I mean, are you teaching that mindset right off the bat? You know, just like Clark said, man, it's all it's all woven in. We try to stay, try to do bare minimum in the classroom and really get people to, um, you know, build up that confidence and truly try to get them to understand that it's really, there's no rush. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, you know this, you know, as well as anybody does is this takes years and years and, and to develop a mindset overnight or any type of skill um, is just not realistic. And, and it's about setting up a program or, or, you know, in a building block approach manner so they can at least capture one thing, plant a seed. And then as they leave, hopefully, you know, it kind of blooms into to the message that we were trying to send across. And that, that's a great point because, you know, some individuals believe that, you know, they can build a mindset, you know, taking one or two classes. And I see this and I, and I see this, very often, I mean, I've taught extensively, you know, all over the world, you know, different types of firearms. And, you know, what you see is individuals, you know, you have the uh, the tactical individual that goes out there and for whatever reason uh, wants to, to learn how to shoot, wants to be that dynamic player. But when it comes to the mindset, they feel like, hey, you know what, that's secondary. And, you know, I don't agree with that. I think that the mindset has to, you got to start building that from day one and you just can't, you know, it's not an overnight thing. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, uh, yeah. It takes a, an entire lifestyle and it's something that you're always working on. It's kind of the, uh, the eternal student type thing. I'm always trying to, you know, be a better person. And, you know, early on, I was lucky enough to learn uh, from our instructors. Uh, Buds, for example, is 90% mental, 10% physical. And you, they tell you that, and you're like, are you kidding me? You know, we go for these runs and the log PT and the boats and all the crap you do. But you do you really do realize they're going to break you physically no matter who you are. It's keeping your head in the game and believing in yourself that you can make it to the next evolution or make it to the next lunch break or, you know, whatever it is you're doing. And so I try to tell a lot of my students that, you know, most things in life are 90% mental, 10% physical. And that's a huge portion of the mindset. So I agree with you 100%. You know, you have to start with the mind and everything else will fall into place, but it takes a lifetime to develop. You just can't go to some, you know, Tony Robbins course and you're fixed in four hours or something like that, you know, and we can't do that for you either, but we can get you started on the path. 
that's what we try to do here. Yeah, trying to lay the solid foundation, man. And that takes time, as as we all know, as you know, people I think are ready to build the house quicker than they are laying the, the foundation, you know. And then revisiting the foundation, you know, once you get going is also something that we preach. You know, mm-hmm. Clark and I talk about it all the time. Our message and our philosophy is not a ladder approach, you know, it's a 360. You know, every time we learn something new, you know, we revisit what we maybe have forgotten. And it's just this constant, continuous circle throughout what we do. Always going back to the basics. You know, I tell them, too, is it's it's really mastering the basics is what makes a professional. There's no flea flicker program. There's there's nothing tactically that's really that difficult. It's just doing it over and over. You know, CQB, how many runs do you do through the house before, you know, your team gels? It's just hundreds of times and so it's we tell them that that it takes a lot of repetition and a lot of it's not sexy a lot of it's just doing the same thing over and over and then like john said as soon as you do get into some advanced skill set building going back to those basics and never losing sight of those so you're a firm believer in the uh, old uh, footage that says you know, I fear the man not that can do a thousand kicks, but can do one kick a thousand times, right? I mean, that that, Absolutely. that, that mindset of constant practice mm-hmm. and, and honing that that skill set. Absolutely, 100%. I, I love that expression because I, I believe in it truly. Yeah. So when you guys step up and you start teaching, you know, just the basic fundamentals and you start teaching a little bit of the mindset and you kind of bring someone in. I mean, typically when a student is out there in the range, um, you know, and this is a, a, unfortunately nowadays we're seeing this a little bit more where you have a lot of students that come in and they have that movie oriented uh, methodology, that philosophy where they believe that, Hey, you know, in, in the range, you just gotta be, you know, a show off. You have to, you know, move around all over the place and, and, and shoot from different angles. And don't get me wrong. I'm a huge believer in shooting from different angles, but first get the fucking fundamentals down, get that marksmanship, mm-hmm. understand your firearm. Do you get students like that from time to time where, where they want to just kind of be, way ahead of the game and they haven't even learned the fundamentals? Well, I think there are some, some students we get that in the beginning have that mindset for sure. Um, and then they kind of see the way that we're teaching them and the way that we execute, you know, kind of what we're, we want them to get or where we want them to be at by the end of this. And, you know, like he said earlier, there's no, there's no special formula for it. You know, it's, this is what we're going to teach you. And I guarantee you, if you just stick to these principles, listen to us, stay open-minded, then we can get you to this point by the time you leave here. And then as the day kind of unfolds, you can see their mind opening up. And then that's where that initial mentality kind of dissipates. You know what I mean? And and they, they, they're a lot more receptive, you know, after an hour or so. We've been pretty lucky. Most of the people that come here are... Hey, my brothers, just a quick break in the action. I want to urge you to stop by forgingawarrior.com forward slash warrior film and check out our new documentary. It is an inspirational short film. You're going to love it. That's forgingawarrior.com forward slash warrior film. We're pretty humble and pretty mellow, even if they have a 
a background or, you know, they're, they're pretty willing to listen, especially with John and I have pretty decent backgrounds. So they respect that. Okay. These guys aren't too goofballs. This isn't Bubba's backyard shotgun contest. You know, they know, okay, let me hear what these guys have to say. And none of our courses are cookie cutter. Um, it really, it starts with the discussion, you know, what the students or the group wants, um, different skill sets. If the group is very unbalanced, we can always separate the group um, so that everybody benefits from it. Um, and then we just, yeah, I mean, we, we, we tailor make our course for those individuals. There's certain key points that we want to hit every time, obviously. But I think when they see the improvement, regardless of the level they're at, they're amazed. You know, like, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I, I thought I was a good shooter, but now look at what I'm doing. This is amazing. And so we're able to kind of tailor make a course based on the student's uh, abilities, which is, has been successful for us so far. Everybody has a great time, and that makes us have a great time. As you know, as an instructor, if your students are happy, you're happy. Totally, and I believe that uh, one of the key elements, key components of being a warrior-minded individual is giving of yourself and making sure that what you're teaching is legit to the best of your ability mm -hmm. and exactly. making sure that your students, right, the people that are following you and that you're guiding, you know, are also progressing. Uh, there's nothing that makes me happier than to see my students progress and get better, no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's very satisfying. That's the, the biggest part of the job that I enjoy is when you see someone accomplish their goal or exceed their expectations and they're just, they're blown away. I didn't think I could do that. That's amazing. And then you just kind of see that light bulb go on and, and that smile and, we, you know, hugs and all that other stuff. Some, some students get a little emotional, but yeah, it's fun. It's really cool. Very cool. So I'm going to put both of you on the spot a little bit here. And this is pretty much my, the way that I roll across the board here. I'm going to talk a little bit about instructors and the instructors that I have seen, a good chunk of them, unfortunately, um, are either teaching something that they're not proficient in or they're kind of showboating and, and to, to kind of drive in more traffic, more of that type of student that I was alluding to earlier. I mean, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, you know, I, I actually, before I started teaching myself, I, I had a couple buddies that I would help teach, you know, kind of hang targets for them and kind of be the safety guy. And several of them, they would just talk too much and brag about themselves and shoot too much. And I'm thinking, man, these poor people paid however many hundred dollars to come here and shoot. And it's all about you. For me personally, I very rarely shoot when I teach. Um, and I keep my gun unloaded so I can demonstrate grip or, you know, depending on the level of the class, of course, you know, beginners and whatnot, because I want it to be about them. And I want to minimize, you know, how much I talk, obviously there's certain things you have to explain or whatever, but it's, it's, it's aimed at hundred percent at the student. It's not about me. Um, social media, sometimes we can showcase a little bit of our abilities so that they have, you know, well, yeah, they have confidence in, in who you are or whatever, but I think our backgrounds speak for themselves. Um, but at times, of course, you know, intermediate firearms course, maybe you demonstrate a course of fire or something. And we have, a a competition first Wednesday of every month, Wednesday night steal. So people can come out here and come out and battle with us and stuff. So I like to, to show Very them cool. that I'm relevant, but when I teach, it's not about me. It's not like, Hey, watch how fast I can shoot this or how many, you know what I mean? They get tired of like, Oh, this guy's shooting again. I paid, you know, a couple hundred bucks for this. 
So that's really my pet peeve is I want the student to know and feel that is 100% about them, that, that they paid the money to come here. It's their turn to shoot the ammo. All I'm trying to do is make them a better shooter. And it's, I've seen John do the same thing. You know, he's not in the gym, but just bullying people around, showing them how tough he is. It's about the student and making them grow and develop. That's awesome because I'll tell you from, from my, my end, I mean, I'm a, uh, I teach at the police academy. I teach defensive tactics and firearms and I've been teaching there for about 10 years. And, uh, you know, one element that I have seen, unfortunately, is that a lot of the defensive tactics instructors in general, for whatever reason, let me rephrase that, not a lot, but some that I have come across, you know, love to talk about themselves and kind of love to be put in a position where, um, you know, they're dominating the, you know, the, the student, the, the cadet. And, you know, they kind of hide their proficiency because they're the instructor. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. and I'm a big believer that, and I do this, you know, in my own school, and then it's also as a defensive tactics instructor, I'm a big believer of something that you, that, uh, you alluded to earlier was I don't really talk that much. Mm-hmm. I'm much more show by example. If I need to mm-hmm. correct something, I'm much more hands-on, maybe three or four words. And maybe that's because of my old school, traditional Japanese way of coming up where, you know, my senseis, you know, they would just give me two head nods, adjust a hand and here and there and let the student <laughs> kind of find, you know, kind of find the way. Because in the end, I mean, I don't know if you guys agree with me and, you know, John, especially you being a you know, combatives guy here, that in the end, you don't want to correct everything every second you want to let the student sure. at least find some shit out for himself right absolutely yeah brother. yeah it becomes too overwhelming you know especially if it's someone's a novice they're just whether it's combatives or firearms there's so much input especially that first i don't know half hour hour you can tell they're overwhelmed and so we just make little small adjustments you know you just have them focus on something once they get that then you move to the next little thing and well, it's it's a skill set, man. I mean, you know, I mean, it's not it's not easy to to teach and you can't just be one style of teacher either. You got to have different ways and different methods that you're trying to get your message across and that takes years of development, man. I was blessed enough to be at a train the trainer school where we had to be graded and grade people on techniques and we had to be graded on the way that we taught the techniques and we had to grade students on the ability to teach a PowerPoint and we got graded, you know, so you were always put on the spot for your proficiency. And over time, I developed a passion for teaching. And I think that's key, man. When you know that you truly enjoy teaching, it makes it all about the student. Make sure that your skill set is and have the ability to transfer the knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I 100% believe it boils down to being passionate about it. It's not a money gig for me, man. It, well, at least for me, it's not. You know, And I'm not saying I don't need money by no means. But, man, I truly enjoy seeing somebody get what I'm, the message that I'm trying to convey. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that's great. I mean, that is, that, that's basically what an instructor should be, a good guide, someone that has passion in teaching. Because I, I don't know if you guys agree with me here, but – we all know guys out there that are very tactically good 
or yeah. that are very good fighters and that have the skills and the knowledge but are terrible instructors. Absolutely. Well, they can't communicate their skill set to the individual. And that, I mean, you're, you're a great operator, but if you can't communicate your skill set to an individual where they understand it, and especially here, I mean, we've, we've taught cops, we've taught civilians, we've taught old ladies, kids. So you have to adjust your style. I mean, I can smoke and joke with a group of uh, cops differently than I would, you know, a group of teenagers, for example, or a family that's come out here. And so you have to really communicate in different ways. And that's where, you know, what John was saying, you have to, you know, articulate your, your message so that they understand it. You can't just, some guys are really, really good, but they just scare the shit out of people. You know what I mean? So their, their audience gets a little smaller. We try to, to be so broad and also make it fun. Like training should be fun. It shouldn't be miserable. doesn't matter what it is. If you make it fun, people enjoy it. You know, that sort of a thing. So we, we make it, as enjoyable as possible while still taking it seriously, you can still have fun, you know? Totally. I, I agree with you hundred percent. I think that you can make it enjoyable for the individual. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the end, I mean, they're, they're, they're paying money. They're not paying money to just have a miserable time. Right. I mean, they're paying money to enjoy themselves as they learn. And, uh, and let me say this kindly, I guess <laughs> the mentality of the newer generation, the millennials and that type of generation. If, and I've had to, and I say this jokingly, but it's the fucking God's honest truth here. I've had to change my way of teaching uh, many, many times across the last 10 years. Okay. Because you can't teach someone, you can't teach the new generation. Like I taught people say five or 10, 15 years ago. Oh, right. sure, they don't definitely. comprehend that right you know i mean yeah. you, you you i mean i don't know if you guys agree with me but when you're teaching a 23 year old or 25 year old uh you know guy whatever it may be as you know a shooter or whether it be in the combatives aspect and you can't you can't give him the same type of info you can't disseminate it in the same fashion right you have I to be able that's to a kind true of across break the board down. Yeah, even in the military, yeah. I think that's the same. Or law enforcement, it's the same. Or even what we do, it's because this younger generation, you, you can't say certain words or you can't be too mean or the yep. military has little timeout cards or, you know, it's, I think across the board, that's a a big problem we're facing is that, you know, the, the each generation seems to get a little bit softer, especially mentally. I don't understand that, but that's just something I've seen in every aspect of my life. And it just goes to show how diverse an instructor has to be, mm. plain and simple. I mean, you got kids that want to come or, or people that want to come here, and then you have sometimes where the parents make them come here. And right off the bat, you can tell right away. And it usually takes a little bit longer, um, and you try to do your best to get through to them, and the majority you do, maybe you don't, you know, but the more diverse you are uh, to get your message across, I think the more success you'll find as an instructor, plain and simple. I can't just teach one way to everybody. And it has to be individualized, especially if it's a group, because there's no better feeling than knowing that somebody's speaking directly to you when you're in a group. So that's another avenue that you have to think about. Good point. Good point. So let, let's kind of stay on this, this track. You guys are pretty much headed this track, and, and I like it. 
the mentality of our newer generation, our younger generation. What's your opinion? I mean, you were talking about that they've they're softer, right? They they are a little bit needier, no doubt about that. Um, they definitely they expect immediate results right here, right now. Um, how are you kind of? I mean, well, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think you're spot on, man. I mean, it, it seems to be the case, but you know. Through my Instagram, I get hit up by a lot of, you know, young adults and teenagers that, that you want to be a SEAL or they want to be in some other branch of service. And so it does kind of remind me that there's still young people out there that, that want to get some, that want to kick life in the balls and not just sit there and have everything handed to them. You know, I walk around town and I, especially living in Austin, you know, there's a lot of hipsters and man buns and skinny jeans and so <laughs> i guess it depends where you live i guess austin's the san francisco of texas they say so i got gotcha. uh, we do we do see it but then i am reminded by the the young men that hit me up uh, on social media and they want advice on you know becoming this or that and so it reminds me that there there is still you know that mindset's out there there's still people that are willing to go to war for their country or you know serve in their community i get people that hit me up about my time in law enforcement. So it is a reminder it's still out there. Despite what you see, I think it's it's just more subdued. I think the the weaker, softer, crybaby protesters are more visual and that the warriors are more quiet and keep to themselves and still exist in the shadows, I guess. At least I'm hoping. What do you think, John? Man, I always think the the direction of focus, you know, it's it's that fine line between the message being conveyed to the kid and then the message being conveyed to the parents, you know, and, and really it is not so much the kid's fault these days. If you think about it, yeah, they got access to all of the new technology, so on and so forth. But you know, whose fault is it really at the end of the day? It's, and this is just my opinion, man, but you know, Parents need to be parents, bro. They need to. I, my mom is from, you know, East Texas, Southern woman, man. And there was discipline. She believed in two things, man. That was unconditional love and chores. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and, and you know, with unconditional love, bro, you know, you, you become better person, plain and simple. You know, you're a lot kinder. You're, you're more open minded, X, Y and Z. And then the chores teaches you that there's a fucking job out there that has to get done and somebody has to fucking do it. Hey, do you believe that parents, do you guys believe that uh, like younger kids, like say between the ages of, you know, whatever, six and 12 or 13 are a true reflection of their parents? These days is tougher because they, you know, when I was raised, I had access to my mom and that's about it. Cause I was raised in the mountains of Colorado. We didn't even have TV. So I was pretty much a direct reflection of how I was raised, especially by a single mom. But nowadays, man, they have access to the internet and weird stuff. And so they, they see things that I wasn't able to see at a young age. God forbid what you can Google search, you know what I mean? So I used to think that way, but kids have so many other avenues that they can kind of get warped in different directions now. I don't know. Ultimately, I agree with John in that it is the parent's responsibility. But kids these days, man, I don't know. Well, the, the, the technology is just the, now just as accessible to the parents as it is the kid, too. So you do kind of 
lean a little bit away from those, you know, old school morals and principles and discipline. And, and I think it's just spread literally across the board. So, I mean, that's, that's what makes it hard because it's not just the kid, you know, um, the attention is taken away from the kid too, by, you know, coming a parent coming home from work and then getting on their phone or sitting down and watching Netflix for three hours, four hours, you know? So I think it's a 50, 50 split, man. Yeah, that's true. How strong do you think uh, social media or media in general plays in, in, you know, parents and kids, the way that they're coming up? I think it's too much. I think it's too much. I mean, I know from my own kids and, you know, just people I see and just you go to a restaurant and, you know, the family, everyone's on the phone, you know, parents and kids, you know, where was we grew up, we were having conversations. And, you know, my mom made it a point that we will eat dinner as a family, me, her and my brother. You know, that was just one of those kind of old school family values where now everyone's in front of the TV, everyone's on the couch, everyone's on a phone or an iPad. And so I've seen that in restaurants. I've seen it a lot of places. It's just kind of the breakdown of the traditional family unit. And and don't get me wrong. For me personally, man, and, and I can... I totally see how people get caught up because I catch myself doing it as well. And there's times where, you know, I was eating dinner with my son. He's four years old and he had his iPad across the table. This lady came in with her daughter sit next to us and you could just feel that she was looking at us like, really, you're just going to sit there and let your kid play on the phone. And in my mind, I knew it. I, I was like, yeah. I need to like, okay, take, take the iPhone away and let's, let's talk. You know what I mean? Cause you can easily slip down these rabbit holes of just getting caught up in what everybody else is doing and really lose kind of the way that you want to live life. You know what I mean? Your, your morals and beliefs, the way that you think. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. It's social media has a positive element, of course, and uh, it has a, very negative element also. I mean, from a business standpoint, it is absolutely necessary. Um, And unfortunately, though, what we see is the younger society in general start using social media to basically create their lives. I mean, you have young girls at the age of 11, 12 years old, fucking half naked on Instagram, right? Or on Snapchat. Um, I'm not really sure Snapchat. I'm not familiar with it, but, you know, my older kids have it. And, you know, I mean, you know, they show me, look, this girl just freaking, you know, sent me a, a picture, you know, she's half naked and she's barely, you know, fucking 13, 14 years old. I'm like, man, it's... Mm-hmm. It, it, it's tough, man. It's tough. I have a five-year-old girl, and I am just, oof. It's definitely uh, challenging for me to see over the next, you know, eight, ten years. Uh, I'm ready for that challenge, though. I mean, I'm very specific on, you know, luckily my wife is on board, and um, she's, uh, she's you know, straight on board with the way that we want to raise our, our five-year-old daughter because it's scary. It's scary out there, especially what I see every day. You know, my, my, my job is just really bad. Well, you're obviously doing something right for them to even come and tell you. You know what I mean? So that, that kind of shows you that trust and some of the things that you guys are doing as a family to, to kind of control some of this stuff that, you know, is, is, is happening. Well, I think as a parent, you have some of that control still. I know when my teenagers were in the house, uh, they didn't have phones. 
I didn't buy them phones. I said, you go to college, I'll get you a phone then. I don't believe that every kid needs to have a phone because I grew up without a phone. And my kid said, yeah, but you had a rotary phone. It wouldn't fit in your pocket. That was a good one. But even, for example, he had his headphones on all the time with his iPod. And I said, look, when you're with us, those headphones come out for dinner time or if we go to the store, that's family time. Take your headphones out because he would just, you know, put the headphones in and flip up his little the hood on his hoodie and, you know, just be antisocial. And so by forcing him to do that, he finally got it because then we we chit chat and yeah, you want to go in your room after dinner and listen to music or something. That's fine. But when we eat at the table, there's no headphones, um, things like not allowing them to have phones. Maybe it was a, a harsh call. And I know when they go to school, they got their friends phones and the same thing happens. But at least I tried to instill some of those old family values I was raised with that, you know, when we're in the house together, we need to interact at some point, not the whole time. You got private time in your room when you can do this or that. Um, I remember when I bought my daughter a computer, she was supposed to use it for uh, some programming purposes, and my buddy was going to teach her. Her grades plummeted because she was no longer in her room doing homework. You know, she had this quick little button on the screen that would make it look like she was doing homework, but really, you know, she was surfing the web, and so I had to box it back up and put it in the garage. You know, it's just those things um, can be distracting for, for young people, for sure. It's you can only do so much as a parent, but I, I still believe that you can instill some of the the old family values that I believe in. It's still possible. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you guys 100%. I mean, it's overall, I mean, you, you look at our society in general and you start saying, well, you know, you know where this person came up from good breeding. I mean, you know that their background is solid. You know that that individual at the very least is going to make an attempt to have family time. I know that at our house, you know, we have dinner you know, every single night. We have dinner together. My little daughter knows that, mm-hmm. you know, there'll be nights where I don't get home till eight thirty, nine o'clock. I'm gone from four o'clock in the morning. And, um, she waits for me and we eat and sometimes we do eat late, but that's just the way it rolls. Um, family time is important. I make sure that, uh, I give my family, no matter how busy I am, that I give them the time and be their presence. You know, we turn off phones. Uh, there is absolutely no communication with the outside world. It's just us. And that's that, that's the way it rolls. And I think, like you said, it's very important, uh, to build that bond and that, uh, you know, closeness within a family yep definitely absolutely that's awesome so let's talk a little bit about men in general okay and let's talk a little bit about i like to use the word confidence okay because i've seen a lack of confidence in men overall across the board Okay, and I say that because mm-hmm. um, most of my programs and, and uh, my warrior development program, um, you know, I get emails from hundreds of, of, of men out there that are going through struggles in their life and they don't know what to do and they don't know how to develop that confidence. So for me, you know, going out to you guys, I mean, you're dealing with individuals. I mean, your backgrounds are strong. How would you implement some type of either program or strategies or techniques or tactics to get somebody starting in the right path to develop confidence? Yeah, I mean, I think overall that's what we do here. Um, For whatever reason people seek us out for, um, they definitely leave 
with, you know, more than they came with. And so that's, that's part of what we do is instilling confidence um, through their performance and through our interactions with them and stuff. It, it's tough. It's especially some of the, the younger adult males. There is somewhat a lack of manliness, you know, that I don't know if it's just taboo in modern American society. It's not okay to be a, a man anymore. Just because you're a man doesn't mean you can't be sensitive or caring. Um, but that kind of gruff, manly image is, is faded away from our culture in general. And so it's it's difficult to instill. It's, it's discouraged in some parts of the country. It just depends. Luckily, we are in Texas. It's a pretty manly state overall. Uh, downside is we're half hour outside of Austin. So, <laughs> but... We're still uh, we're still in the safe zone where we're at here. There's uh, still, you know, good country folks and stuff. So we don't deal with that as much as we see elsewhere in the nation where it's just something's gone wrong. So I don't know. We do our part, you know, through our training and people that contact us. Um, yeah. Well, unfortunately, you do, I mean, I know this is kind of cliche, but you don't know what you don't know. And we like to think that people come out here and gain some of that confidence based on the experience that they had you know and that's really what it boils down to is you know sometimes you know getting people to open their minds um and actually helping them achieve and accomplish some of these smaller goals that they might have does instill you know some more confidence and you know just like you guys know what's experience you know it's something you gain immediately after you needed it you know, so they don't know. And that's, we're kind of trying to reach out to, believe it or not, the not so manly generation, even more so now, because if you don't tackle that issue, then 10 years from now, how is it going to look? And so we don't close it off to, um, you know, any and everybody. And we don't just have a specific group that we're trying to tackle. We really want people to experience some of these things. So just so we can maybe plant some seeds of confidence of, you know, self-accomplishment and, you know, goal setting and trying to hit all of these lessons. You know what I'm saying? Sure. I'm a big believer that, you know, setting little goals and accomplishing and completing and, you know, executing the goal from beginning to end and once you accomplish that goal, it builds some type of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, you know, even going to, you know, a, a, a gun class and being able to, you know, start from the beginning and finish it, you know, whether you get a certificate at the end and, and the same thing from a combative approach, you know, you, you go to a whatever two-day, three-day course and you're able to do things at the end that you were not you know, even capable at the beginning of that course. I mean, I I don't know. I think it builds confidence. And I think that is a great way to start to take those baby steps to increase somebody's confidence. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. hundred percent. You know, and also, I mean, I don't know if you guys agree with me on this, but you know, pushing someone beyond their self-imposed limit, right? Getting them into uncomfortable spaces in their life and being able to overcome those obstacles and that uncomfortable, uncomfortable, you know, yucky feeling for, for lack of a better word, you know, without having to fucking crawl or run to a safe space. Mm-hmm. And they're able, you know, if these guys are able to, to break out of that and, you know, come out clear and come out with their head high at the end. I mean, I think that's a you know tremendous building, a tremendous confidence builder. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, pushing people past their limits is always good, you know, because you're always capable more than you think you are. I mean, that's something I learned early on in the military and, you know, other things I've done in my life. I was able to, through the help of the people around me or the cadre that was in charge of me, push myself beyond limits. And so that's definitely part of something that we we do here and, and hopefully other people around the nation are doing. And getting people also to understand that it's really you versus you. You know what I mean? It's I, I always tell people I'm in no competition with anybody other than the person I look and see in the mirror. You know what I mean? And that's that's the, the biggest struggle that I have daily is is, you know, is fighting with myself. You know, I, I could care two shits about what other people think about me. I just know that I have a set set goals and set morals and beliefs and values that I think are, you know, in my mind are good and they're helpful and meaningful and you just want to, you know, give all of that knowledge to the individual, you know, and it's, it's not easy. Sure. It's not easy by no means. And it's, you know, you, you, what do you do? You know, you just keep grinding every day. You keep, you know, trying to improve yourself and ultimately, you know, the, the love spreads. Now, Clark, when you were going through buds, I mean, did you have a mentor or someone that you looked up to to get you through that? Or did you have to dig deep inside and just fucking find a way to get through it? Yeah, I mean, I was a little bit lucky. I spent a year and a half in the fleet. And uh, so I found some motivation there, just, you know, growing as an individual in the regular military. And, you know, I was in charge of painting the ship gray. So it really sucked. I was in deck division. It was the worst job ever. It was basically a floating prison. But it toughened me up to the point where, you know, through some leadership there on the ship, um, you know, I, I gained some confidence. I started, you know, performing at my job well and doing other things. Um, and then one key thing that got me through BUDS, um, we were in the Persian Gulf in 96, and some members of SEAL Team 5, oddly enough, uh, flew on board for a mission. And uh, I hit one of the dudes up in the chow line and said, hey, uh, after this deployment, I'm getting orders to go to Bud's. Do you have any advice for me? And he said something that I held on to uh, my entire time there. He just looked at me and he said, look, little man, it's easy. If I can do it, you can do it. That's it. Awesome. It's, it's that simple. That. And that that really hit me in the ten ring. That resonated so deep. And I chewed on that for the rest of the deployment. And uh, it made it seem like it's possible. Like this dude who I thought was a superhero just revealed the secret that he's a normal man. He's no better or different than I am. And so I was kind of armed with that knowledge when I went to BUDS, and that really, really helped a lot. So I had a little bit of time in the military. I had a little bit of rank. I was an E4. I wasn't a BUDS baby that just showed up from boot camp. And, oh, my God, I was working at Arby's last summer, and now I'm at SEAL training. I just think that's a huge mistake. Um, I already had a deployment under my belt, so I've seen part of the world. I was in, you know, the Persian Gulf, the Middle East, and so – you got a tiny bit of salt on you anyway. And so all that gives you the confidence to say, you know what? I can do this, you know, because of what that dude said to me, it really resonated. So I, I, I pay that forward. Anyone that asks me about it, I tell them that same thing. If I can do it, you can do it. I'm just a hillbilly from Colorado. Nothing special. That's awesome. And so that's, that. that really helped me out a lot. That was very key for my mindset, at least starting out. Very cool. How about you, John? Did you have a mentor in the military? I did, man. Um, I had, um, I, I guess I found my, my mentor when I went to the Martial Arts Center of Excellence. 
because I was that guy that thought, you know, you were going to fight 24 seven. And, um, that's the way that you get respect and earn respect. And that was my mentality going in. And I found out really quick and it was extremely humbling, um, how there's always people in this world that are going to be better than you, no matter what you're doing and how I need to stop comparing myself. And he actually sent me down, um, because that really, it really hurt, you know, because I thought I could just get, you know, get by by just, you know, fighting. And, and I thought that was it. But he sat me down and said, you know, dude, there's more to one. There's more to this program than just fighting. And if you think that you're going to get by by just bullying and, you know, acting hard and all of this stuff, you're going to find yourself in a new place. And um, so throughout the rest of my time there, I kind of sat back and under his wing, he, you know, he taught me the morals and principles and um, through, I, I saw myself through a lot of students um, that I knew that I was on the wrong path. And, and fortunately everything turned, turned positive for me. I had a different outlook, a different mindset, and it was all through him. And then at the end of it, he brought me back in his office and said, now just remember one thing, you can't carry the world on your shoulders. You need something to believe in that's greater than you. You need mentors. You need somebody that you can call. You need somebody that you can talk to. And, and then, you know, he's still there today. And, and it's somebody that I, I constantly talk to about my issues and problems. And I have no problem telling people that. Very cool. Very cool. And he's still in your life, this guy? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's Even great. though we don't talk um, as often as we used to, you know, he still sends, um, you know, random emails to me, you know, happy anniversary to you and your beloved wife. And, you know, he's just he's just that guy, you know, and, you know, he's he's somebody that changed my life forever. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. I mean, not everyone has mentors, but it's great when you do have one. And uh, I think it could really, really change lives. All right, talk to me a little bit about when as men, and, and you guys know this is specifically, you know, the Man of War podcast, we kind of focus on men. Um, as men in general, how do you guys implement discipline into your lives? I mean, give us your kind of like uh, early morning wake up and then kind of carry us through a day so our listeners could get a little bit of a visual. Yeah, for me, I plan a schedule. I set goals for myself. So, for example, a little bit silly, but a few months ago, I started learning to play guitar. So I set my alarm for 7 a.m. And that's the first thing I'm going to do is I get up and I play for an hour and then I get into my daily routine. And so basically for me, for discipline is I have a plan. I have kind of a weekly plan, uh, what's going to go on at work. But then my daily plan consists of when can I play guitar? When can I go to the gym? And then when can I make time for, you know, my family? I, everything has to be planned out so that I can fit all these pieces because I like to stay uh, as busy as possible. Um, so that's how I maintain discipline is I don't just kind of sit around waiting for something to happen. You know, I, you know, I don't know. I guess it's just the way I've been wired my entire adult life is you just don't walk into work without a plan. Um, you're going to have to kind of forecast how your day is going to go or your week is going to go. And it makes things run a lot smoother than some friends of mine that just seem to kind of sit around and wait for shit to happen and, you know, whatever. And I think that's just, you know, related probably to the roots of my military background. But that's that's how I maintain discipline and that's how I, I stay focused. And then I surround myself with good people, of course, like John and 
and other people that we we work with and train with if you surround yourself with those kinds of people you just kind of become like them that's one of the things i've learned early on as well surround yourself with good damn people right. damn right what about you john the uh oh, I, i'm a like clark said man i'm a big advocate of of having a schedule sticking to that schedule and um having people hold you accountable to that schedule as well too but i also man have an understanding that life happens mm-hmm. you know what i mean if i always give the analogy of you know right now if i were to type in uh, on my gps coordinates to you know san diego it's like 19 hours or whatever it gives me a direct path from point a to point b but I know for a fact that I'm going to have to stop and get gas. So I'll probably stop at mom's house because it's kind of on the way, you know, and I'll probably go and visit a couple buddies out there. But ultimately, I get back on that route and then I continue my quest. I know for a fact I'm going to veer off the path. I know for a fact I might mess up on Tuesday because at 930 I was supposed to eat my second breakfast and I didn't. I don't let it beat me up. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, I missed that. Let's make up the next one. You know, let's make sure we don't do that again tomorrow. It's just that constant reassuring that I'm going to get back on that straight path and not let myself veer too far off. And that's having, you know, you're your average of your, what, five friends that you hang out with. That's what they say. So accountability. Yeah, it's all about accountability. I agree. I think um, confidence, well, and discipline. I mean, both of that, if you have some type of accountability, I think it really makes a difference. And I believe that if you surround yourself with the right people, man, I got to tell you, I think it's going to make a huge difference in in anyone's life because guess what? You're going to have to face it. And if guys, you know, the guys that you surround yourself with, if they call you out on shit, you know, most likely you're going to stop either a doing it or you're going to get back on track doing the right thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't want to surround yourself with yes men either. You want to surround yourself with with guys that challenge you and motivate you. And, and you know, that's that's part of the thing I, I've always been around. Luckily, just because of the jobs I've had, I've been around good dudes. And they challenge you like, damn, do you see what he just did? Fuck, okay, let's, let's do that. Let's try to beat that or, you know, get a piece of that knowledge. So it, it's just really huge believer. And I try to teach my kids this when they were – you know, teenagers and stuff, be careful who you hang out with in school because that's what you're going to turn into. If you hang out with the stoners, you're going to become a stoner. If you hang out with, you know, whatever, just be careful. You know, the company you keep is very important. Absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. And one of the things this podcast has extended me has been, you know, being able to build relationships and friendships with awesome dudes, you know, some great warrior minded men that, you know, walk on that same path and are very much like-minded in in our philosophies and certainly on our mindset. And, uh, you know, one thing I will say is that, um, you know, even though this podcast has done absolutely phenomenal here over the last few months, it has been just blown up. The most important aspect is, of course, my listening base and the support but right there with it is the friendships and the relationships that I have built with our guests. You know, we like, like you guys, for example, you come on, you know, and, and just getting to know you and, and talking, having a, you know, straight up, you know, heartfelt conversation, no bullshit attached. I mean, that's how you get to know someone. And, you know, and I love it. And I really, for both of you guys, I really appreciate you being on, you know, expressing yourselves 
And, uh, you know, what can I tell you? You guys are two warrior minded men that, you know, walk the walk. And this is what we need more of. We need more warrior minded men like yourself. Now I'm going to bring up a question that I ask all of my guests. Okay. It's very simple questions, but I want you to think about it. What is your definition of a modern day warrior? For me, a modern day warrior is someone that takes care of his or her family. And I say that because I was raised by a single mom. She raised me and my brother all by herself. And so my mom, in my eyes, uh, is a warrior. Even though she's never been to war, she's never been taught how to fight, that to me, she's a true warrior. And of course, I get a lot of my fortitude from her. Um, So anyone that takes care of their family, especially a modern day warrior, to me, because the family unit has eroded so much, I see someone that really tends to their family, absolutely. 100%. Awesome. Awesome. What about you, John? Man, you know, for, for me, it comes down to a couple things, but one is, you know, someone who knows they have certain skill sets that are humble about it. You know, humility is huge for me and and nobody wants to learn no matter what it is from an asshole, plain and simple. Um, (laughs) it's, it's, it's someone that, you know, not only knows how to fight, but when and why to fight. You know what I mean? And the word fight doesn't only pertain to self-defense, but it also entails the struggles that we fight in our day-to-day lives. And um, just the, the realization of being a good person, staying humble, um, you know, loving, caring, trying to make the world a better place um, and is constantly, constantly on the grind, never settling, never settling, never content, just knowing that there's no end state. The the way that I train, the way that I think and operate, there's no end game for it. You know, there's, I, I can't stop, plain and simple. So you're big into the virtues, into respect, honor, integrity, and, and that, that aspect of the warrior, I can tell from what you're saying. I am big time, man. I think if that's the foundation that I constantly remind myself that I need to lay and then revisit and fix cracks, plain and simple. Very cool. Very cool. All right, guys, where can our listeners reach you, follow you? It's your stage. Yeah, uh, the website, we work for Black Tree Ranch. You can reach us there. It's uh, blacktreeexperience.com. Um, and then you can reach us also, uh, through our social media. Mine, I only have Instagram. It's frogman2155. Um, my Instagram is at john.badon, B-A-D-O-N. And then we have our black tree, uh, at black tree, right? Yeah. Let me get that. What is it? Hold on. At black tree? (laughs) Yeah. Let's see here. We'll get, we'll get our, our, uh, official at Black Tree Ranch. There you go. Yeah, on Instagram. And I think we have a Facebook page as well. So reach out to us through our personal ones, through the website. Um, it doesn't matter if you want to come and train. We have we had a dude flying from England. We've had people flying from the East Coast, West Coast, a lot of local support from Texas. So if you want to come hang out with us, come train with us, you know, get to know us. We, we welcome everybody. And then the majority of, well, I'm not going to say the majority, but all of our courses are tailored to the individual. So, you know, 
whether it's a group, whether it's, you know, a family, whether it's us traveling to go and do home assessments or whatever the case is, you know, it's, it's very personal. It's very, very personal. Yeah. Don't be, uh, I think some people, I don't want to say are afraid, but you know, they see dudes with beards and tattoos, shooting guns and punching stuff. <laughs> you know, we, we are, if you look at through our social media, we are quite comical and user-friendly and, and we do bond with, with everyone that comes here. So don't judge a book by, by its cover. So if, if you're out there watching our social media and think we're crazy, we're actually good dudes. Awesome, man. Yeah. You sound like two good dudes, man. And certainly, um, I follow, I follow you, um, Clark on social media and I'm going to start following you, John also. And, uh, like I said, I'm pretty new to this Instagram thing, but it's a pretty cool way to communicate with your followers and kind of integrate your life and and it's, it's i think it's awesome i mean it's uh it's been a little bit mind-boggling for me over the last few months kind of getting a feel for it but uh, i think that's the wave of the future here um what i'm going to do is i'm going to add the links to your instagram accounts also to the uh, company black tree on the show notes so all our listeners could go there follow you guys and hopefully we can get some out there to take some of your courses, man. Yeah. Awesome, brother. We need awesome. you to come out here too, man. Yeah, come out and visit. That'd oh, be great. Yeah. We just have a day of having Don't. fun and blowing some stuff up. Oh, man. Would love it. Absolutely. Gentlemen, thank you for being on. I appreciate you. You had some great stuff. We're going to have you back on soon because obviously there's so much left on the table. I try to keep the shows down to about an hour or so. But uh, I will tell you that I felt like in this particular show that there was a lot left on the table. So I really want to get you guys back on soon. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us, brother. All right, guys. Stay safe out there. All right. Cheers. Thanks. Take care. There you have it. What a great conversation with Clark and John. Both of these guys know their stuff. And not only that, man, you can see that you can hear, right, that they're speaking from the heart. But most importantly for you out there, you have to implement the concepts, the philosophies, the strategies that we bring you in each and every show to your life right now. This is the way of the warrior. This is how we develop day in and day out. Take what you listen to here and apply it into your life. Take action now. Don't forget to stop by the Warrior Development Online Academy. It is at forgingawarrior.com. Go check it out. You're not going to be sorry. And you get two weeks for absolutely free. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. And more importantly, leave us a review. It'll be so meaningful for us. I mean, this is how we maintain our rankings up on iTunes. Last but not least, give me some love at uh, Man of War with two R's on Instagram. Until next time, remember, your life may be challenging and full of dangers, but never retreat. Your last battle may be your greatest victory. 